Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. Hello and welcome to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. I'm John Norman and alongside me, Steve Harmison. In the week that the England squad for Sri Lanka was announced, uh, what an incredible show we have for you. Steve Harmison sitting down with his old England uh, cricket teammate and darts companion, Sir Alistair Cook, to discuss, amongst other things, uh, Moeen Ali, Dan Lawrence and Johnny Bairstow. It's a fascinating listen, so uh, make sure you stick around for that. Uh, you'll also hear from Surrey Spinner and possibly future uh, England star Amir Verdi ahead of his trip to Sri Lanka as part of the reserve England squad uh, and what he has to do, he believes, to break into that first 11. Uh, you're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. Thanks for listening to the show. Once again, alongside Steve Harmison. Harmy, loads going on this week. You've uh, recorded a brilliant interview with Alistair Cook, Sir Alistair Cook, which we will listen to uh, throughout the show. But for the first section, um, well, first off, let me just name the England men's test squad to go to Sri Lanka. Um, two tests in the middle of January, just been uh, decided upon, both at Gore, um, before the team will fly out to India. There will not be a warm-up between the end of the Sri Lanka series and the start of the India series. And this is interesting in itself because essentially what it means is uh, not only is it six back-to-back test matches, you've got six back-to-back test matches uh, and the players are going to have to live in a biosecure environment. And when you consider the problems in South Africa trying to play three T20s and three ODIs and the mental strain as well, um, that's going to be uh, that's going to be something to keep an eye on. First off, though, here's the squad. So, uh, Joe Root, captain. Uh, Moeen Ali, back in the squad. James Anderson. Uh, Johnny Bairstow, another one recalled. Dominic Bess. Stuart Broad. Uh, Joss Butler. Zach Crawley. Sam Curran. 
Ben Folks, uh, who was named in the Sri Lanka squad uh, in March of uh, earlier this year. Dan Lawrence uh, gets a call up. Jack Leach, Dominic Sibley, Ollie Stone, Chris Wokes and Mark Woods. The first thing, there's so much to talk about for, from that squad, but the first thing that really leaps out the pages is, is there really any need for so many fast bowlers? Um, yes, it looks as though the, the top heavy on the fast bowlers. And I think your intro in there, John, gives it a little bit of weird. We're not going to have warm-up games. We're going to have six test matches more or less in a row. I think England have, t- have picked two bowling attacks. I really do. I think they've picked two bowling attacks. I think you're going to have a top five and a wicketkeeper. So there's six. And then I think they're going to play, you're going to have two different bowling attacks, especially in Schlanker. So I think you're going to have five bowlers for one test and five bowlers for the next test. And I look at it, I'm thinking whether they're going to play three spinners. I think Moen Ali comes into the group with Dom Bess, which when I first seen that, I thought, you know what, what's the point of Moen going or what's the point of Bess going? Because they're not going to play two off spinners um, in a test match, but they're potentially, they might play three if it is a complete and utter rage in Bunsen that they think they're going to play, they need to play three test matches where Moen Ali potentially could fit in as a number five in place of a, of a Dan Lawrence. But I think if they're going to play two spinners, I can see England playing the top six batsmen of Crawley, Sibley, Root, Besto, Lawrence and Butler. And then they're going to pick two bowling attacks and they'll probably go with Curran, Anderson, Wood plus two spinners. And then for the second test match or the first test match, whichever way they're around to do it, they could go Wokes, Broad and Stone, which gives them two you know, 80 mile an hour, 82, 85 mile an hour options plus having a fast bowler in each attack. So I think because they've gone heavy that way, that's why I think they've gone down the road of picking so many fast bowlers. The batsmen will bat. One group of bowlers will play the first test match. One group of bowlers will play the second test match. And that's their intro into India. Uh, there was also a couple of omissions. Uh, no Ben Stokes. He's rested, as is Jofra Archer. Rory Burns misses the series because of the uh, imminent birth of his first child. And no Adil Rashid. Now, the national selector, Ed Smith, was asked about the prospect of ever seeing Adil Rashid play red ball cricket again. Everyone knows... Adil Rashid's a fantastically talented cricketer. Obviously, we brought him back into Test cricket in 2018 and England had a, a very good sequence of results at that time. It is also the case that Adil has said in the media exactly what he said to me, which is that he has had a long-running uh, shoulder injury. It's made really good strides. However, he does have concerns about that shoulder in, you know, under the, the strain of five-day cricket. And obviously, he's got to weigh up. His one day and, and T20 form, which is outstanding. He's, you know, he is among the most irreplaceable players in a very, very strong white ball setup. And that's where he stands at the moment, that he tilts that way. Um, but he's been very honest and, you know, he, is, he ha- does have those concerns about his shoulder and he's going to uh, stay where he is for the time being. Uh, I think we're going to have to put to, uh, to bed the thought that we'll ever see Adil Rashid ever play Test match cricket again. Would you agree? Yeah, I agree. I think I, I actually think it would be a backward step for Adil. If I was if I was advising Adil Rashid, I'd actually advise him not to play Test match cricket again. For the simple fact is, he's in the best place he possibly can be in his game at this moment in time. He's playing some of the best white ball cricket he's ever played, and I think to jeopardise that by going and playing in possibly three or four Test matches especially when you've got a World 2020 coming up around the corner and you're thinking of 
I'm thinking of more long term from Adil's point of view. He has a good T20 World Cup, then all of a sudden it gets him into the IPL and other franchises. In theory, he's playing four Test matches short term, and then there's going to be no no long term goal, long term outcome at the end of it because he's not going to play. England only play one spinner in Australia. He'll not go and play there. And then all of a sudden, if his shoulder does start to sort of slow down and pack up, is he going to be as demanding on the white ball circuit around the world after the T20 World Cup? So if I was a, as much as I'd like to see Adil play international cricket again with a red ball, I actually think for the, the best of the England cricket team and for Adil Rashid, he's probably better off where he is. And I agree with Ed Smith on that front. Um, <clears throat> interestingly, the reserves named for this tour, we're going to speak to one of them later on in the show, Amir Verdi from Surrey, but also two leg spinners, Mason Crane and Matt Parkinson. Now, Mason Crane is an interesting one, isn't he? Because he was in the team a couple of years ago, played in the last Ashes test, uh, in the Sydney test, I think. Yeah. Um, and then was on the outer, to use a, a horrible cliche. He seems to have refound his love of the game. He's refound his game itself. And... I wouldn't, I wouldn't, with the way England and a lot of teams kind of pick spinners, I wouldn't be surprised if Mason Crane actually leapfrogs a couple of the names in that initial test squad um, and actually possibly gets a game in the next six. Yeah, I think he'll play in India. I really do. I, I'm a, I agree with you, John. I think he'll play in India for the simple fact is, talk about re, you know, getting his game and the love of the game. Mason Crane had a bad injury. He had a really bad, I think it was a shoulder injury. He had a couple of little niggles, but I think he had a really bad shoulder injury, which for a, for a young young bowler, um, it took its toll to, to not re get his identity back, but to also get his, his action back in the confidence and leg spin. And yet you listen to Shane Warne, the greatest bowler of all time, and the way he talks about you know, the way your confidence you have to have and the, the the way you have to work at your game. If you have a setback, which Mason Crane has, it's took him a while to get back. You know, that's that's fair enough. But I think for the England selectors to identify him and see him as a, a replacement for this, this trip and then potentially India, I actually think they've got one eye on him playing. They've tried Parkinson in the red ball. It didn't really work in South Africa. It'll be interesting to see if the, how he goes in spinning conditions in Sri Lanka, because obviously he'd be in a reserve, he'd be over there to see how he goes. But I actually think, I agree with you, I think if Mason Crane hits his straps and hits areas in practice, it wouldn't surprise me if the, by the end of the India series he hasn't played one or two test matches. Mm, interesting. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. Um there is another feeling that comes to me from looking at this test squad, and that is that, you know, have England, by selecting this expansive team, almost given up on playing in the World Test Championship final in the summer? Because it, India is going to be hugely important as a series for them. This squad that they've announced almost seems like they're hedging their bets, they're getting their team ready for India. It's almost like they're approaching it with the eyes of a warm-up. Yeah, but I think you've got to have a look at people. I, I really do. You, you've The mental health aspect that everybody goes on about at this minute in time, I think is real. I do think it's real. I think it's, re it's, it's more real and more evident more than ever. I, I would not like to have done what Jofra Archer's just done and spent nine months basically 
chained up in a in a hotel room. No matter how much I love my PlayStation or Xbox, I really do. I, I the the lure of a of a nice restaurant or a bar would just would 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 get me out every time. So I, I don't envy what Joffre's had to go through. Ben Stokes has just been through the same. So I think England have to have a look at people. But I, when I look at it, I'm quite excited. I I want when I look at the first Test match, I want England to bat Sam Curran at seven. I really do. I want them to go and bat Sam Curran at number seven and say, right, there's responsibility on your bat. You've got Mo and Ali behind you, who's probably a better batter than you. But I want to I see what you can do. Uh, I'd listen to someone like Nasser Hussain speak about Mo and Ali as a batter. And when they say when he bats at seven, he bats like a number seven. He bats at eight, he bats like a number eight. And what he means by that is there's a little bit, there's not as much freedom, there's not as much responsibility when he bats at number eight to what he does as he thinks as an out and out batsman at number seven. I want Sam to have that responsibility. I want him to learn how to play the game, especially in spinning conditions, because with no Ben Stokes, he is our all rounder. And I think. The little things like that, I think, long term will do us, will benefit England English cricket more than looking at what's round the corner in in the short term. Of yes, we want to be in the World Test Championships. I do not see a, a why England can't go to Sri Lanka and win with with this group of players and potentially give some players some confidence and playing in these conditions to go into India and potentially win. Um, test match series in India. Bear in mind, we come back to India and I know Ed Smith said this, it's going to be two test matches in Sri Lanka, then there's going to be two in India, then we reevaluate and probably send Joss Butler, get a rest and X, Y and Z, we see it as two test matches, two test matches, two test matches. If England are either 1-0 down in the series, going into that third test match, England have got to pick their best team. They've got to pick their best team. So all that planning and preparation, yes, that's fine, having a one eye on it now. But getting to Ahmedabad and when these test matches start, you know, some of them thought processes might go have to go out the window if England see themselves a chance of winning the series. Because, you know, as much as you've said long term is 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 key, you know, the short term of beating India, especially when India have got to come to England in the summer, I think there's some there's some, some vital points to to sort of put on people. The last thing you want to do is if you get off to a good start, just release the pressure by sending people home for the sake of it. So I think there will be a different thought process as and when the series goes on. Brilliant stuff. Well, look, we'll talk a little bit more about the squad later in the show. I want to get your thoughts on Moeen Ali as well. Uh, now or never. That's how I read this next, next six test matches uh, for uh, for Ali. I uh, want to talk a little bit about Ben Folks as well. We're going to hear uh, your interview with Alistair Cook. So Alistair Cook, uh, he speaks... Um, about Dan Lawrence, his Essex teammate. That's another interesting angle. I love this about Test cricket. The fact is, you go into these series and there's so many un- unanswered questions and you do not get, I'm sorry, do not get that with T20 and ODI cricket in the same way. Anyway, uh, plenty to come on the show, as I mentioned, Sir Alistair Cook and also uh, an interview with Amar Verdi uh, alongside Mason Crane and Matthew Parkinson named as a reserve for the upcoming series to Sri Lanka. You're listening to The Cricket Collective. There it is. Moves on to 100, Alistair Cook. That's the best of Alistair Cook. 200 of the very best from Alistair Cook. Glorious stroke to get there. That is one strong mind and one strong man. 
You're listening to The Cricket Collective on Talk Sport 2. I'm John Norman. Alongside me, Steve Harmison. Very shortly, an interview with the great Sir Alistair Cook as the National Lottery is honouring grassroots sport today with a number of sporting venues set to be renamed to pay tribute to those volunteers. Later on, we'll speak to Surrey's Amir Verdi. Surrey's clear over one of the grounds that, that has been renamed uh, for volunteers who have gone above and beyond the call of duty to support their communities during the pandemic. And so to discuss this and plenty more, I'm delighted to say that the former England captain, well, he's just a legend. Uh, he was certainly a, a legend in the West Indies when we were uh, uh, whining and dining with him after a day's play at the crickets. So Alistair Cook um, uh, sat down and had a good old chinwag with his former teammate, Steve Harmison. Army, nice to speak to you. How are you? I'm not bad. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Very well. It's a, it's a good week. I've been out of the old... Um, you've got me out of doing the old wet sheet work. So oh, brilliant. <laughs> Talking about getting you out of the, 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 the farm and stuff and the, the National Lottery stuff, there must have been somebody in your growing up. I know you spent a lot of time with Gucci in the, in the indoor school at Essex, but there must have been one or two when you grew up, where you have to give a special memory to, uh, mention to, because without them, you wouldn't have been able to, to sort of get your career off and running. Yeah, well, I think, well, ultimately, firstly, your parents are that kind of unsung here, aren't they? Yeah. Giving you the opportunity to take you around. But I was more thinking, like, now, like, the cricket clubs, like, now. Mm. Like, I was thinking the two cricket clubs I'm involved in, um, you know, Malden Cricket Club at, at home, where, um, you know, I started when I was 11. And, you know, without... Without the Elliots, without the Coker family, without Neil Foster, without the Randall family. You know, there's about four or five. I'm sure I've missed them out. They just run the club, don't they? They're the yeah. people who, who do all the jobs you don't want don't to do. They're the ones who are pushing everything through. And like, even here up near now, I've moved near Bedfordshire, the Evershot Group Club, the Garrett family. Again, they, they go above and beyond to make sure that group club, you know, is given the opportunity. The Turners are great. Brickhill. There's so many I know of, and they're so important. And they are unsung heroes. And well, they're probably you know the National Lottery have made them sung heroes. We're changing changing the names of the iconic events. And it's such a great kind of just to remind everyone at this time, you know, certainly leading Christmas there, that how important grassroots sports is. And the, and the people that are doing it now, and it's it's very difficult to do, you know, cutting the grass and getting your clubhouses when you don't know what's going to go around the corner. You play county cricket this year and you probably had to wait three or four months when you thought, well, I'm not even going to play this year. I might not play. You, you know, the age you're at, I'm not, I'm not saying you're an old man anymore, but uh, you, the age you're at, it's you're thinking... It's you, Army. Well, I might be, yeah. But uh, <laughs> you might have been thinking, Am I, could I actually miss... My, I might not play cricket ever again. This, the, There are people in this country who might be thinking it might be 12 months, 18 months and beyond before they play cricket or any other sport again. Well, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, there's a couple of examples. Imagine you go to school and you're getting into your, like, you know, your last year and you think, oh, I've just got to play, you know, this is the year I get to play my school cricket, you know, be in the first team, you know, whatever age group and something that's taken away from you. Um, you know, and this summer, you know, summer holidays, no, there was no cricket until right until the August, wasn't there for, for, for the clubs. And that's why, you know, the, the Kier Oval today is called the Shadu Alam Ratan. I hope I've got that right. Um, Oval, because you know, the guy, this guy runs Capital Kids Cricket. Um which Brilliant. is a charity for, you know, deprived areas of London for grassroots. But during lockdown, you know, while, while they couldn't meet up, he ran a virtual 
a virtual sessions, like keeping them active, keeping them socially together. And again, that's above above and beyond, isn't it? Like what you know, it could easily say, well, we haven't got anything to do, we won't do it. He he made it. He has made a difference, and and quite rightly. The, the Oval is named after him today. Oh, that's fantastic. Can you talk about the Oval? Or what has happened here? What a way to bring it up. What a way to bring up three figures. Alistair Cook has done it. A century in his first ever test match and now a century in his last. Somewhere where you played your, your final test match against in- India, England go to India. I'll touch on your career in India in a second. But you know, there's, there's one player especially I want to talk about in the current England squad who we're probably going to see in Sri Lanka and potentially India, and that's young Dan Lawrence. Um, what are we yeah. going to expect from, from that young man, having you you've spent a bit of time with him, seen him growing up and being in the change rooms? What are the England fans, first of all, going to expect from him? And have you given him any advice going forward about what's going to be like in India? Well, I did I did put on our WhatsApp group when he got picked. I said, if you ever want advice, making your debut in the subcontinent, just let me know. <laughs> I didn't get any bites. No one, no one, uh, no one jumped on it. But... Um... The like he is a he's a brilliant he's a brilliant batsman he's un- unorthodox as I think Ed Smith said he's got slightly a slightly unusual technique um, but his his greatest strength is without a doubt his mind which I think is a brilliant a brilliant um, thing to have I think the difference I reckon for a lot of people can whether he'll make the step up and we never know do you Harvey? no we never you know don't how know. you don't know until they do it exactly you're exactly right and all the preparation he's done he's been in a successful Essex side on tough wickets. So I think, you know, his numbers probably don't add up to what people are saying, well, he averages just under 40. But remember, a lot of those wickets have been, a lot of those games have been on not the best wickets of Chelsea. Result wickets, like 220 is a very good score, has been. Um, but he's played in a winning side. He's got a winning mentality. That is absolutely right. And when and we saw this year, the big development for him was he goes to Australia, flat wickets, Cooker uh, ball, and he was a standout, wasn't he? He was the yeah. the guy getting big scores. So, you know, he has got something without a doubt, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, I think he'll cope with it. I, I think he's got that self belief and confidence to do with it. Um, and he's got, and you know, you just hope you just need a little bit of luck, don't you, to get you going? Yeah. You'd... And any any things you get a little bit of luck, gets a run, which I think he will do with Ollie Pope not being playing, Rory Burns. I think he'll play these two Test matches, gets a big score. He's in for India and he can fly. Yeah, I was just going to say there that, that that little bit of luck. Where do you see him batting? I know you, you you've been in the in the in the captain situation where a position comes up and you've just got to fill it. But where do you think Dan Lawrence could bat for England, and where do you think England could best use him? Well, well, naturally, I would say he's a five. Like that's where I would see him looking at his game. I think he'd be able to adapt to a number of situations um, in terms of if they need pushing on quicker runs, but also. Just he's 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 as I saw it's Mendelssohn. He's got great game awareness. He's very savvy for a young for a young kid. He got a brilliant hundred in 2017. Um, you know, everyone talks about the shots he's got. He got a brilliant hundred 2017 against Jimmy Anderson Lancashire first team uh, first game of the season when we won the league. But we were pumped for three days. Um, you know, we were under the under the pump, and he got seven and a half hour 140 to save the game, batting. Um, so he can adapt his games. So I would like to see him at five. Honestly, I don't. I, I don't know where he's going to bat in this team. Like Johnny yeah. Bairstow's come back in, you know. They seem like I'm not entirely sure they know what they can do. Joe Root could go back up to his number three spot. Is <laughs> that Crawley um, and Dom Sibley starting Root at three? Could be kid uh, the Dan Lawrence. Sorry, I call him the kid, but Dan Lawrence at four because Ollie Pope's not there. 
So and then maybe Johnny Best at five, or do they want to push Johnny up a bit more experience and he goes around a bit like he has been? But it's a good problem to have. But yeah, it looks. Uh, I don't quite know where they see, but I'd like to see him pitting at five. I it's a swing yeah! from Bairstow. It's a hundred from Bairstow. There's a name there. It just coming in my head there. I didn't have it on me now. It's Johnny Bairstow. What do you make of the Johnny Bairstow situation? Because it just seems that every time they want to discard Johnny, he doesn't want to be discarded. Yeah, well, I, I, he had a tough 18 months in the Intest cricket. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and if you start looking at that, you can kind of see like, being around a long time, being played a lot of cricket and just naturally like the what the, the the 2019 world cup probably took over in his mind he went up to new he went out to open you know a, a year as he started that and, and he flew didn't he absolutely flew and it's been unbelievable the ipl and i think probably what's happened is techniques he's kind of like just lost a bit of that like um what I was going to say, just probably lost his edge in test cricket because his, his attention was somewhere else yeah so he lost the form and you know, and, and he quite, I think, quite rightly got left out the side. Um, I was a little bit surprised that he's not that I'm surprised he's coming back in because I think he's a brilliant cricketer. It just that I just want, I would love a bit of clarity from the England selectors saying, is he going as a back, a back, uh, backup batsman, a front order batsman, or is he competing with Joss Butler yeah. and Ben Fogg for the keeping slot? And me personally, like I've loved how Chris Silverwood has come in, and and he hasn't. Um, tried to put round pegs in square holes. He said, no, we want the top three. What are our best top three people to put the miles and the butters legs? No, like, he's opening for this, he's opening for that. Who's our, do you know what I mean? The top yeah. three have got to be, you know, set set the platform up. So they have been, Dom Sibley, uh, Rory Burns, and now Zach Crawley's yeah. come in. Um, do you know what I mean? Very clear. And then very the four, clearing. five, yeah. six. And four, five, six, very clear attacking, like Ollie Pope, uh, Ben Stokes and Joe Root adapt to the situation, but look to push the game on. You know, you'll keep a bats at seven. Um, that's how it's kind of worked, isn't it? Um, and I, and I thought that clarity has really helped. Now, I think Johnny Bairstow will, will, will definitely will need that clarity. Do you think um, that was his problem in the first place? Probably. Well, I, I mean, again, the number the numbers didn't quite add up towards mm. the end, but. So I think that was ultimately the problem. But he has, remember, he had batted at three, did change. You know, he lost the gloves, kept the gloves, lost the gloves. I see him as competing with Joss Butler as that keeper yeah. batsman. I think I think he's the all-round cricketer. And that's what I would like to see in that clarity. And then, and that, everyone knows where they stand there. But, you know, he's got given an opportunity. I, I don't think he will keep in this test match. I think he will play just as a batsman. Um, and as we all know, Harmi, if he scores runs, does well, he's very hard to leave out. So Alistair Cook speaking with Steve Harmison, a man that he somewhat foolishly uh, agreed uh, to be the godfather of uh, of Harmi's child, I think. Is that right, Harmi? It is, yeah, Charlie. The, my uh, youngest, uh, I did ask him the honour to be the uh, <laughs> godfather of and entrust him to looking after one of my children if anything did happen to, to me or Haley. Well, he he is a, a God fearing uh, individual. He used to be a chorister, didn't he? He's singing the he, choir when he was growing yes. up. Yeah, born on Christmas Day. Well, there you go. Inspired choice. Uh, to find out more about how the National Lottery is celebrating the work done by unheralded people across the UK, visit www.lotterygoodcauses.org.uk. Plenty more to come from that interview. Don't go anywhere. It's just Sir Alistair Cook, Steve Harmison. You're listening to the Cricket Collective. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies. In the culinary capital of the Caribbean, there truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados. Truly the best place to be a cricket fan. Sean is down there, comes back, comes racing back for the two that bring him his double hundreds. Now it's to Cook celebrating yet again. Or what has happened here? What a way to bring it up. What a way to bring up three figures. Alistair Cook has done it. A century in his first ever test match and now a century in his last. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on Talk Sport 2. Myself, John Norman. Uh, what an easy ride it's been for me this week to sit back and listen to two of my old heroes chatting cricket. Uh, so step forward, uh, Sir Steve Harmison and Sir Alistair Cook. Somebody else who is coming back into the team, somebody you know well from playing under-19s and, and growing up with, and that's Moen Ali. Do you think the break of the game could do him, could have done him the world of good? And you know, do, do England... Does he play? Does he go straight into this team? Because you've had Tom Bess, who's done relatively well as England's only spinner, while Jack Leach has been injured and poorly. Rashid's not been playing. So does 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 it complicate the matter by bringing another off spinner into the group? I think I think what it does do it um, it gives England the option of playing three spinners if they think they need three spinners. Yeah, you know, um, you know, with with Moen's batting, good player of spin, it's done well against Sri Lanka. I think if they want to go three spinners. Um, you know, it, you know, Sri Lanka obviously recently have played on some flat ones and all, but before that they played on some minefields and against South Africa, two-day Test matches. You know, England the last tour it was pretty good, but they did spin. So I think with Moe in that all-roundness, you can play three spinners. That gives them the option. Um, and, and I think looking ahead, um, it keeps that option open of who will be the number one spinner to go to Australia. Obviously, got India before that and they're not going to look past it, but ultimately, they're only ever going to play one spinner in Australia. Yeah. Um, and I think they would love to see Moeen back to his best to keep their competition with, with Don Bess, who I think has done remarkably well, actually, um, to 
for what he's done. He's he's a learning process. He's a massive learning project, and it. But he's worth investing in, isn't he? I think I, I think I like I like him as a cricketer. Um, but Moen's definitely will be better for the break, and I think he will really value coming back playing in that England squad again. He's on strike. Is this the moment? Yeah. It is the moment. What a way to do it as well. He's going to get a boundary through the offside. And he is delighted, and so he should be. What a test debut. Right, I've got five minutes, and I want to talk about Sir Alistair Cook and <laughs> playing in India. I've got, well, well, you've got 161 test matches, 12,472 runs to go at. There's two games in India I want to, I want to touch on because I want to talk about the captaincy in India and how you go about captaining two spinners and a little bit for Joe Root. And you did that in 2012 when you captained that great, great test match win in, in Mumbai. Um, but the first one, a little baby-faced assassin coming over, um, test match star. I've done some homework here. First of March, Alistair Cook, Jimmy Anderson arrive from the West Indies, replacing Simon Jones and Marcus Triscothic. Three days before, four days before, you turn up in my room, first time I'd ever met you, um, throwing darts at the board. And I remember after being half an hour during a little conversation, you walk out of the room and I remember turning to Freddie and thinking, said, this kid belongs. They just aura about you belonged and you came in and you went and showed that in Nagpur. First of all, how did you feel going across into that? It was a very, very strong dressing room as well because you had just come off the back of a, a 2005 Ashes win. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, ultimately, I, I can't remember. I think, you know, that, without putting you right right here, I mean, the bit which was Pakistan where I first turned up. Oh, you turned up in Pakistan, guys, that's right, yeah. That's when I first met you. And I literally, I did know no one. You're right, absolutely. You know when you're the big superstars of 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 2005 over every newspaper and stuff. And I turned up flying into a place, Borney, I think I was, who yeah. ended up playing because Strauss was going to go over a test match. And... I put my doors out and I got a knock on the door. And this is this is no word at all. I got a knock on the door and it was you who knocked on the door and said, come on, lad, I can't do your accent. Come into my room. And I come into my room. And I was like, Jesus. You better put that into context. It might not sound very good, that. <laughs> I didn't try. I didn't try and do your accent. I said, that's why I didn't bother. And I literally, and you dragged me into, there was Freddie lying on the bed with a dartboard, never thrown a dart before. And from that moment on, like, Hey, I love darts. I was terrible to start with. But like that that support you showed me like was unbelievable. So then when I did turn up in India two days before or three days before, I felt as if I knew the guys a little bit because I was um, I was called at replacement at Pakistan and I wasn't in the original touring squad um, for India. I was at England A. Um, and I, ultimately, it was the best time to make my debut because I flew around the world. No one expected me to do well against you know, Kumble, Harbour Jan. Never played in India before in a match. Uh, so the pressure's off, and you know I uh, I managed to grab a few runs, but it was that Pakistan that you know to knock on my door within half an hour arriving and say come to my room and watch only fools and horses um, well, meant a lot. <laughs> and, and during that that Test match, England get three nine nine three first innings. We uh, I think we ended up having a seventy run lead. Collie got a hundred. It must have been a flat pitch because you got sixty and I got thirty nine. So <laughs> it must have been flat that first. That first, yeah. Um, we we got seventy run lead. Then all of a sudden, you know, the, the, the Alistair Cook you know, really made the, the name for himself. Fifty in the first innings and a hundred and four in the second innings. Batted a, quite a bit with somebody who you batted with a long time in your career, and Kevin Peterson, to set up what what should have been a win if the light had uh, had came about, had had steered. Because I think we would have we would have we would have bowled India out for that for that victory. But to get a hundred on debut, how much of a weight 
off the shoulders as that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I, I can scarcely believe it. To be honest, you know, a week before I was lying on the beach in Antigua, then I was in a place I never heard of, Nagpur, with a Test hundred to my name. It was, it was unbelievable. Um, yeah, it, it gives. I tell you what, it does do when you get a hundred on your debut. It, it kind of you earn the respect of the changing very quickly. So you, they they know you can play then, don't you? That's half yeah. the battle. Is like you, when who's this guy coming? Is he any good? Probably had a few dodgy nets in that in that two days before and. I just that settled my that settled me enough to to think well actually those guys rate me. And then when I got my second hundred, that's when I thought I could I belonged a little bit at international stage the next summer where I thought of well, anyone can do anything once, can't you? Like um, so to do it twice that that meant then I started to believe that I could be it. But the, yeah, just for me and then walking into changing room after that first hundred, actually everyone thought I, I thought I don't respect everyone else and I think that's a big big thing that say anyone walking into any changing room any team is, is important yeah you, you did earn that respect with you know ridden in you respect was ridiculous throughout the whole of your career but six years on you go to mumbai and this is the one i want to talk about is this one of the best captaincy victories you had i think you were captain in 2012 yeah i was it was a, it was an unbelievable tour to go in there and to beat india in india is is was an amazing thing um what we were blessed with on that tour was two unbelievable spinners. We talk yeah. about the batting, we talk about KP's 100 in, in Mumbai was a ridiculous 100. One of the best innings you'll ever see on a on a turning wicket. We'd lost in a Medibad heavily, um, pretty much by an innings, but I think there was nine wickets on it. They thumped us. Yeah. They went yeah. for 4-0, so they produced an absolute uh, dust bowl at Mumbai. I mean, what was it like being out there with Kevin on that time? Because you batter, you got 122. You put yourself down there. You got 120 in that in that innings to set up that match. I know Swanee and Panasar got 19 wickets in the match, but you got 122, and everybody goes on about KP's 100. But they forget you got 100 in that Test match as well. Yeah, I know. We, I mean, we batted we batted well together. He was a brilliant he's a brilliant person for me to bat with. He he wanted to be the kind of like the centre of attention in terms of you know dominating the bowlers, and I could go and like. And they all the, and they turned their attention to him because they realised what a dangerous player was. So I could slip under the radar. You know, he liked facing. No, there's nothing wrong with this. I'm not saying anything wrong. He, he liked facing the balls. I didn't mind standing in on strikers' end. Do you know what I mean? It worked yeah. really well. I'd get the singles, and he would, you know, he would take the attack to them. We our partnership together was. We know we played well together. Um, there's no doubt about it. And and, and I've said it. It was a shame how it all ended. You know, a, a year or so later. You know, cricket is is never great with cricket on the front and the back pages, but that test that test tour was a brilliant test tour. We were we were so lucky with Monty and Jimmy, uh, Monty and Swanee being outstanding. You know, you're not going to beat India in India, no matter how many runs you get, if you don't out bowl them with spin. Um, and those two were fantastic. Alistair, Sir Alistair, I should say, I keep forgetting that. Sir Alistair, thank you very, very much for joining us on the Creative Collective on TalkSport 2. Oh, me, brilliant. You know, uh, the passion in which uh, Sir Alistair spoke about uh, Dan Lawrence, the memories that were evoked clearly by you asking questions about India and tours gone by, um, and also the insight as well. You know, he knows exactly what's going on in that dressing room um, and in uh, some of the insights surrounding uh, Johnny Bairstow and the light was absolutely fascinating but we'll have to talk about that another day uh, because time is against us still to come on the Cricket Collective an interview with Amel Verdi uh, you're listening to TalkSport 2 It's a yeah! sweep from Bairstow 
it's a hundred from Bairstow. It's all well and good people having opinions, but they've never been out in the middle. Fox. Yes! It goes on the onside. They take one. Is it going to go all the way? It just gets to the advertising rope at the far end. And Ben Folks has a hundred on debut. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. Myself, John Norman, and uh, the main man, Steve Harmison. Now, the National Lottery is honouring grassroots sport today. And as a number of sporting venues are set to be renamed to pay tribute to the volunteers. The volunteers who have gone above and beyond the call of duty to support their communities uh, during the pandemic. And uh, one of the venues to be renamed is the Kia Oval, where uh, our next guest has played for a number of years. I'm delighted to say that uh, Surrey spinner Amma Verdi uh, joins us uh, on the show. Amma, we've already spoken to Sir Alistair Cook. Um, um, he's playing a big part in this as well. But give us an idea about uh, your participation and the importance of grassroots cricket. Um, I mean, we were very lucky uh, to have Rattan here uh, yesterday uh, to do the unveiling of the stadium, uh, which has been renamed after him uh, for a day or so. And, um, yeah, I think it's very good that uh, people like himself get uh, recognised for what they do for the community and what they do for cricket in general. Uh, I think that that's where all the professional cricketers come from. I mean, without any grassroots infrastructure, we don't have a professional system. So, yeah, I think it's very, very important. Yeah, I, I listened to an interview that you uh, did uh, around uh, around June because you were part of the reserve squad in the build-up to the West Indies uh, series. And, you know, you spoke at length about, uh, you know, the grassroots cricket. is It's community cricket as well, isn't it? It's where families um, and communities get together and all sport has really suffered this year by just not having the lack of access to such facilities uh, because of the pandemic. Yeah, I think... Um... You know, if you look at anyone's, uh, you know, memories of cricket when they first started, it's all a lot around, you know, family orientated around a club, having a strong connection with the club. And I think this year has been a bit of a sad one where, you know, everyone's having to kind of be a bit distant uh, from everything. Um, and, you know, the whole infrastructure of the club and everything is changing. So I think it's definitely something that hopefully goes back to normal as soon as possible. But I think it's something that people have definitely missed. Now, one of the things that really leapt out to, to me listening to you speak in June was uh, a point that you raised. And uh, you were part of the, I think it was a 30-man squad, essentially. Um, and you were playing in some intra-squad matches ahead of that first test. And the point you made was, look, I I know that I'm not favourite to make it into the, the first 11 to, to make my debut as a test cricketer, but I've got to approach this situation with the mindset that I'm I want to be named in that 11 um now the confidence and that the clarity of thought really impressed me when I was listening to you speak now it didn't happen for you in June uh, but you have been named as part of the reserve squad to go to Sri Lanka are you approaching that in exactly the same way 100% I think um you know as we've seen with the with the COVID or just any sport in general you know things can change very quickly so I think you know, it's it's quite honouring that I've been seen in that light. That I'm I'll be travelling with the team, and uh, yeah, I'm definitely going to prepare as if I could be playing the first game. There's no reason, you know, why my ability isn't good enough. But um, I think the fact that anything can happen, uh, you just got to be ready for that opportunity. And Amal, you got 
uh, Mo and Ali back in the the Red Bull squad. How valuable is it to gonna spend some time with somebody who's played so much international cricket, whether it's with Red Bull or White Bull, and, and doing a similar job to yourself, bouncing ideas off, and and really you know, somebody you've looked up to. Yeah, uh, whenever I've spoken to Mo in the past, he's been excellent. I mean, his experience is amazing because you know he's played. You know, in the in the in the current game and against all the different types of teams, different competitions and everything. So he's got a lot of experience to draw from, and it's always good speaking to him because I think playing on different surfaces, playing in different environments. You know, if you can pick up a few tricks before you play in those environments, I think it's always handy so you're prepared. So yeah, I'm looking forward to working with him and all the other guys that are going to be there. I think it's going to be a, a real good trip. Uh, Amar, you know, when you think of um counties um you think and you think of the spinners coming through uh, these days you think of teams like uh, north ants uh, somerset essex to a degree but you know surrey have got a, a proud history themselves of providing england with spinners you know going back to tony Locke and jim laker uh, through pat pocock who still plays a part in the club and of course gareth batty uh, ian salisbury um give us an idea of of, of, of the culture uh, that is within the county in terms of trying to uh, progress spinners from within the ranks to move on and go on to higher honours. Um, I think I think we've got some good coaches, especially uh, in the youth setup. We've got some good spin coaches, and I think that Surrey are definitely very supportive and you know provide what we need to develop spinners. I mean, I'm quite lucky at Surrey that you know I've worked with Bats while I've been here. I also worked with Vic, and we've got Jono who works with us as well. And I think it's really good that you, you're able to kind of draw from loads of different experiences and people that have, are currently playing the game or have played the game. So um, I think the infrastructure and the, we've got the right coaches to kind of develop that side of the game. Uh, so I'm quite lucky in that aspect. Um, and yeah, I, I really enjoy working with them. And I think what, what's key is like understanding, you know, how to bowl on different surfaces because, you know, you could be playing at one ground where it turns a bit more, one where it's a bit green. So getting people that, have got experience of how to kind of change the way to bowl on different pitches. I think that's that's quite important. Amar, you've mentioned there uh, the the likes of Bats and, and Vikram, and you know you got Stewie there as director of cricket. Mentioned Moen, who has played, who was going to spend the first part of the, the 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 winter with you. If I was to ask you, Amar Verdi, what do you see in the next six months? I think Stewie should be asking you as director of cricket. Where do you see your game improving? Where do you see your game being when it comes round to Surrey start playing again in April and the ideal you know, life choices and, 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 and footprint you're going to give yourself? Where do you see that being and what do you see that you want to, to get out the next sort of six months of, of your cricket and career? I think... Um... I think kind of the short term would be, you know, in, impressing uh, in the England setup and kind of maybe getting an opportunity to make my debut in the uh, uh, this winter. Uh, I don't see why that can't be an option. Uh, and I think after that would be, uh, you know, starting the season for Surrey and doing well in the red red ball cricket uh, and potentially making my debut in in some of the other formats as well. So I think this year will be an interesting year. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, and I'm just going to keep working up my skills and getting them better and better so I'm ready for any opportunities that may come. 
Brilliant stuff. Emma Willock has a Surrey fan. I hope you have a, an absolutely amazing championship winning, T20 blast winning, um, whatever the 50 over cup is called <laughs> these days, winning uh, season. And, and uh, enjoy yourself, mate. Enjoy the journey, I think, uh, is all I have to say. But I appreciate your time. And, uh, of course, to find out more about how the National Lottery is celebrating the work done by unheralded people across the UK, visit www.lotterygoodcauses.org.uk. Well, I said earlier on in the show that we were going to discuss Moeen Ali and uh, speaking to Amar Verdi, the question you asked of uh, Ali, uh, it, it brings us into focus. You know, I spoke to Moeen before the South Africa series and again, I just got the feeling that in terms of confidence, in terms of mentally, I'm not sure, I'm not sure that's a Moeen Ali that we used to watch three or four years ago. He's such a well-respected man. He's such a well-loved individual. And, of course, he's, a, he's part of a World Cup winning ODI side. He's got bags of experience, bags of test uh, cricket. And, you know, with Adil Rashid not in the side, they're absolutely desperate for him to come good. But if it doesn't happen now, Harmy, especially when you consider what happened against Australia last time he was there, there and the last time he played Australia, I just, gets, I just have the feeling it's now or never. Yeah, it is, it is now or never. I think the edge is up. Um, tells you that he'd be nearly, I think he'd be 35 on his, his next birthday. He's got you know, real riches when it comes to his um, his winnings and his career. Uh, I think England are a better side with Mo and Ali in it. I think stats prove that. I think England... What, test they're better? Yeah, I, I just think Even now, round. do you think? Yeah, I still think even now. And I think the one thing that you mentioned there, confidence and... Mo I mean, playing India off. of all the teams, you know, to try and get your confidence back. All right, I can see bowling as part of a three-man spin attack. Yeah, but bowling as a part of a two-man spin attack in India, or bowling as part of a you're on your own spin attack against India at home or away in Australia. I think you've got to park Australia to one side. I think you've got to park in India in England to one side, and I think part of us has got to park the Indian tour. A little bit to one side. Mm. Moen Ali has to start well. If Moen Ali starts well, I've got no doubt Moen Ali will be fine. I really do. I think I do think England are a better side with Moen in firing. It's how they're going to use Mo. I've got a sneaky feeling England might bat Moen Ali at five, and Dan Lawrence or Jonathan uh, Johnny Bairstow doesn't play. England try and play three spinners that route, and Moen Ali is a better spin bowler when he's scoring runs. I think if you look throughout the the, the, the length of time in, in Mo's career, when Mo gets wickets, it's off the back of a cameo of 40 or 50 or even more than that at the back end of an innings where he's been let free and had a go. When Mo scores runs, he, he, he seems to have confidence in his bowling and he gets wickets. So I think the Indian series, both home and away, is going to be put to one side. And if they want in Mo and Ali, the, the best they can possibly get out of him, I'd actually be tempted if I was Chris Silverwood to say, right, Moen, where do you want to bat and where do you want to bowl? Because I want you in my team. From a psychological point of view, I want you in my team. I think we're a better team with you in it and when you're bowling properly. If you're not bowling very well and you're not batting, bowling properly, then obviously that will determine whether you're going to be in the side or not. You tell me where you think your best position is to bat and where you're, you know, and you're bowling and look after it from there. And I think I would go down that route and I'd be trying and potentially trying to encourage him to play as a, as a get him into a batsman's mind because whenever he scores runs, it seems to have confidence on his bowling. And I think that could take a knock-on effect into the next test match, to the next test match and then beyond. And I think that's how I'd address the Mo and Ali situation. And he's, his talent is there for everybody to see, win World Cups, he can score hundreds from numbers five, six, seven, and eight. 
um, and he's taken five wickets on numerous occasions. It just seems to be that getting him off to a good start and when he gets in a rut of negative performances, the the sort of the hole keeps on getting deeper and he struggles to get out of it. For me, he has to start off on the front foot, start positively, and if he does that, we've got a great chance to see you know, Mo and Ali from four or five years ago as opposed to Mo and Ali from 18 months ago. Now, last time England were in Sri Lanka, of course, it was on TalkSport 2, and England uh, came away with a comfortable 3-0 victory. A couple of dodgy moments in and amongst the, 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 the Test uh, series itself. Uh, some questionable captaincy from uh, from Lakmau. Uh, they were missing... Uh, some some players at the time. Now, uh, we haven't really spoken about Sri Lanka, and we will do, of course, at length between now and the start of the series. But if you are from a Sri Lanka mindset, you're looking at this England team, you're thinking, well, no Adil Rashid, Moeen Ali down on his uh, confidence. It doesn't look as strong uh, spin bowling attack. There's no Ben Stokes. Now, Joffrey Archer wasn't in the team last time they played, but the balance of the team is, has been weakened. Rory Burns, who scored a century uh, in the series, he's not playing. Um... Sri Lanka themselves will feel that they maybe are in a better place to spring a surprise than they were two years ago. Yeah, they are. And that's exactly right. I think in Sri Lanka, if I was in the Sri Lankan camp, I'd be looking at it and thinking, right, we get Joe Root out, we've got a great chance of knocking these over. Because everybody else in that group of six, the other 15 blokes in that group aren't giving me, aren't, aren't saying to me they're going to get what, six and a half hours, seven hours, eight hour innings is out of them, which you should be able to have to, that's what you have to do in in the subcontinent. You have to bat big first innings. You have to be able to have somebody to bat for more than a, well, at least a day. You need somebody that can bat the five, six, seven hour innings to give yourself a best chance of getting 400, 450 and beyond to give yourselves a chance to win. Other than Joe Root at this minute in time, England are looking very, very weak and inexperienced. Uh, on that front. So from England's point of view, that is somebody that's going to have to put their hand up. Crawley, Sibley, Lawrence, whoever. But from Sri Lanka's point of view, you've got to be looking at this and thinking, yeah, Josh Butler, he's not somebody that scores massive, a, a big amount of runs. He's going to be batting at number six for the balance of their side. You look at the teal and you think, well, if we can get them on a turn and pitch, you know, we could get five down the old the old England from the 90s, you know, five down all out sort of stuff. So that's the way I'd be looking at it if I was Sri Lanka. I'd be coaching them in that way, thinking, right, no matter how big the partnership is at the top, if we get on a run and we get them four down, we potentially could bowl them out within 25, 30 runs. That's how I'd be putting a mindset into the, South Africa, uh, the Sri Lankan bowling minds. And I think you know, from an England point of view, that's that from a management point of view, that's what I'd be, I'd be worried about. But... Sri Lanka, it's again, it's it's a little bit like when you play you play Pakistan. You just don't know what you're going to get. You could get absolute brilliance, or you could get a complete and utter shambles. We're going to have plenty of build-up and programming for you uh, on following on and across on TalkSport 2 uh, and the Cricket Collective in the build-up to the Sri Lanka series. Uh, we're going to have a look back with Gareth Batty and Sam Ellard in the manner that we did with Harmy, looking back at some of the uh, the choice moments from South Africa at the start of the year. Looking back at that Ben Folk century, uh, what a moment that was. Gareth Batty in the uh, commentary box, uh, commentating on his teammate getting his maiden test century. That was an absolute highlight from that tour, that's for sure. Um, we're also uh, going to be rejoined Harmi for the next uh, few weeks in the build-up we'll have a Sri Lanka cricket collective special as well so uh, uh, for for now that's it thanks for uh, for joining us thank you Harmi you're Um, welcome uh, brilliant interview with Sir Alistair Cook 
and uh, you can of course uh, catch up and listen to that in the following on feed on ACOS, Spotify or Apple Podcasts but for now uh, thanks for listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you're keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 